In 2018, the Wealth Standard Podcast broke down the year into three seasons, each focusing on a principle from the inspired works of philosopher John Locke, specifically his philosophy on life, liberty, and property. In 2019, we progressed from principle to the ideal environment for building wealth and achieving prosperity. The theme was laissez-faire capitalism. For season two, it continues. The theme is entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship and how you apply the principles and environment to the individual. The guests ranging from economists to entrepreneurs to political influencers, authors, and more will teach you how to take your life to the next level. Now, on to the next episode. Hey everyone, this is Patrick Donahoe. Thank you for tuning in this week. I have an awesome guest. We're just going to keep going on this theme of entrepreneurship. We're almost done for the year. And this individual is someone that I wanted to get on to speak specifically about the idea of innovation as well as the customer and how the customer is changing at a rapid pace and how important it is for the entrepreneur to keep up and how to do that more importantly. But my guest is Nicholas Webb. He is the founder and CEO of Leader Logic. He is a world-renowned business strategist, best-selling author, and futurist. As an inventor, Nicholas created one of the first wearable technologies and one of the first smallest medical implants. He is a founder and CEO of Crave, a top business growth consulting firm, and he has been awarded over 45 patents by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office for a wide range of cutting-edge technologies. He is the best-selling author of several books, What Customers Crave, How to Create Relevant and memorable experiences at every touch point. And his new book, which just came out in end of 2019, September 2019, which is called The Innovation Mandate, The Growth Secrets of the Best Organizations in the World. So you guys welcome my very special guest today, Nick Webb. Nick, it's amazing to have you on. Thank you so much for spending this time. How's everything going in your world? Really good. Thank you. I appreciate it. I love your backdrop. It looks very innovative. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have ADD, so I have to work on multiple computers all day. So. Multiple computers, multiple screens, multiple mics I'm uh, yeah. even observing. That's amazing. We've been spending a lot of time on the podcast learning about so many different aspects of uh, entrepreneurship. And what I love about what you write about and are speaking about, especially most recently, is the idea of innovation. I think it's clear to everyone that we are rapidly advancing as a society and it's kind of like we're being unconsciously conditioned to buy differently, to get our news differently, to be entertained, manage our money, learn. So in your book, you talk all about this. So you make the case for innovation being that variable that uh, distinguishes successful and unsuccessful companies. So can you expand on that for us? Yeah, absolutely. The best way to look at the term that everybody's using right now, of course, is disruption. It's all about disruption, disruption. When you really think about what disruption is, it's another way of saying difference, right? But that difference is much bigger than it ever has been. And the speed of differentness has really sped up. So in a time of differentness, most organizations that are failing are those organizations that are committed to the status quo. And so what I found after researching three years ago, my book, What Customers Crave, and more recently, my book just released, Innovation Mandate, I found that the best organizations, without a doubt, are those organizations that understood their customers better. They rapidly developed new business models, new economic models, new products and services. 
And as a result of that, they're absolutely growing at a rate that is hard to believe. Whereas these large established companies, Toys R Us and Sears and others, are failing at medical certainty. So how do you define or, or characterize innovation? That's a good question. And you would think it would be an easy uh, question to answer. I come at innovation in, a, I think, a pretty well-rounded way. I started my career inventing medical technologies. And my first technology was one of the world's smallest microsilicone implants for ocular surface disease. So you could say innovation is about the bright, shiny object. You know, that's been 43 patents ago. But more recently in working with enterprise, I began to realize that some of the best innovations today are really going to be new ways in which people uh, deliver more consumer value, or in the case of a business-to-business model, So what that really looks like is that the definition of innovation is actually pretty straightforward. It's new value that serves you, your organization, and your customer. It's that simple. It can be new ways to introduce new business models that you borrow from another industry. It can be new packaging. It can be ways in which you answer your telephones. It can be cutting-edge technologies. It's anything that, that serves your organization and customer that's new and valuable. So how often should a company be innovating? Well, it should be a continuous process. Innovation is like a stock portfolio. It's comprised of incremental innovations, which is just a constant way in which we get better. There are landmark innovations, which are significant ways that we improve the way that we deliver value to our enterprise and our customers. And then there are breakthrough and disruptive. Across that continuum of those four different types of innovations, We should be doing this all the time. We should constantly be looking at ways to deliver better because the problem is is that client and and customer value or expectation is continuing to climb. Amazon, when they first launched, wait a week and you'll get whatever you order. Today, most everything comes in two days. And I can tell you within the next five years, the real uh, battlegrounds with Walmart and with Target and with Amazon will be getting products to you. Just about any product you can think of. So... Could a company say that they're innovating and still fail? I think so, because innovating is that the overwhelming majority of things we innovate are bad, right? To give you an idea, there are about 3,000 patents that are issued here. Only about 2% of those ever reach successful commercialization. The good news is if you develop, as I talk about in my book, an innovation pipeline, we do what I encourage people to do with every part of their life, and that is to fail fast. If you fail fast, you don't burn through resources, you don't take fuel up trying to take something to the market. The good news is if you develop an innovation pipeline, you can eliminate a lot of those mistakes. But yeah, absolutely. People invent lame stuff all the time and it fails in the market. And usually it's because they really don't understand. That is what I wanted to hear. And that's where I kind of wanted to to take the conversation because there's literally last night, there was a, a Utah company where I'm based that had about $60 million in funding and laid off a huge amount, like 60 or 70% of their workforce. And it was a technology company in Silicon Slopes, which is a very innovative place in Salt Lake City. And I went and did some research and the company's called Canopy. You guys can go look at them. And they were trying to create a new platform for CPAs to use. I found it fascinating because CPAs are some of the hardest customers and probably the most low customers because of how their mind works. Can you speak about that, about when somebody doesn't understand their customer and how vital it is to continue to discover better ways to meet their needs. Yeah, I'll tell you, in my consulting practice, we work with some of the top brands. And one of the things that uh, they're great at the problem is understand you can't deliver value to somebody you don't understand. 
And most people use technologies like VOC, which stands for voice to the customer, or they'll use, or they'll use net promoter scores, which are fine, but they're fractional. In my opinion, they're fractional and they're non-actionable. If only it were that easy to look at a, a, a graph and a spreadsheet. I can tell you right now, Steve Jobs never used uh, those kinds of methods in any real big way. He just understood his customer. In fact, he understood his customers so well that he invented products they didn't even know they needed yet. And so we get there not through looking at traditional demographic. Most people use demographic market analysis. That's the most common way combined with survey data and focus groups. Most of it's really, really wrong because they're looking at people and pigeonholing them into customer personas based on those kinds of very, very old fashioned methods. What we really need to do is to look across our customers based on what they hate and what they love. I talk about hate, love personas. And then in, in the innovation mandate, I talk about how do we weaponize those understanding what customers hate and love. The one thing that we know for sure is that all customers hate friction. So right off the bat, you don't need to do a survey to find out that customers hate friction. And, and Amazon, what's that? Just look for friction. <laughs> Just look for friction. Right. If you can go in and look for friction right off the bat, Pretty much every persona hates uh, friction. Across most personas, they hate the lack of relevancy. It has to be relevant to them. It has to be customizable in many cases. What we do in, in our practice, we look at an organization and we do what's called customer experience readiness assessment. We look at their innovation capabilities and their customer infrastructure to find out how they get information, how they deliver that information into new innovations, how they deploy those innovations. And so you have to Kind of do it like a medical pathway. You start with a good diagnosis, understand where there are resource tools and system gaps, and then you build out a fast and fluid, agile roadmap that allows you to actually go in and do the stuff. You're not going to get it through graphs and spreadsheets and the traditional things that we've done. It just unfortunately doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's amazing where you've had economic law for a really long time, and there's Say's Law, which is fascinating to me because you hit the nail on the head with Steve Jobs. It's like customers don't want products, right? They want solutions, right? They want to feel a certain way. And if you can connect with that and always be seeking for ways to do that, and that I think is one of those special variables about successful innovation. Absolutely. Like if you look at Spotify, Spotify didn't invent the and music, right? They invented better moments of music. Netflix didn't reinvent video. They created better moments of movies. Amazon created better moments of merchandise, right? Apple created better moments of uh, machines, and I could go on and on and on. It's about the moments. How do we look at those five touch points, the pre-touch moment, the first touch moment, the core experience, the last touch, and the in-touch moment, and understanding that across a range of personas to invent perfect and beautiful experiences. And when we can do that, the impact of an organization is incredible. In fact, 85% of the top brands in the world are using CX, customer experience, innovation, as their primary way that they drive sustainable growth. So, Nick, what are ways, because this is fascinating, and we've, and we've touched on a few of these things over the course of this season. It sounds like you have some tools, some resources, and parts of your business revolves around helping entrepreneurs, helping companies to take what we're talking about philosophically right now and actually make it a reality. So would you Will you speak to some of the things you're doing to help companies? Yeah, the first thing that we do is that the problem is, is that there is this sort of disruption evolutionary curve with both entrepreneurs and large companies. We start our businesses because we're very, very focused on the customers. We know those customers. In many cases, we're the insert whatever, right? So 
we tend to be very customer centric and that is what started the growth. That's what started us on a trajectory of growth. Then we realized that we need to innovate. We need to go beyond just what we've launched with. So again, we focus on innovation and we focus on customer. And during that period of time, organizations enjoy a predictable growth. Then they begin to realize that, gee, now we're a business and we need to create the infrastructures, the HR. We need to look at insurance. We need to look at facilities. We need to look at all of the complexities that create the substrate for running a business. And so we become operational. What happens during that period of time, if we're not careful, is we take our gaze off the customer. We take our gaze off of innovation and we become hyper internally focused, right? And we start to churn in operationalization. All of our resources, our money and our times and our meetings are all about the optimization of the machine, right? And that's where we start to see what we call scale fail because we lost sight of what got us there in the first place. And so what we like to do is to look at entrepreneurs and businesses. When, and we don't do, frankly, we primarily work with large organizations, but we do do some work with startups and, and, and medium-sized companies is we take a look at their current state of innovation and customer experience readiness, because we are in a customer experience economy, a frictionless economy. That's where the differentiators are. You can buy anything you want at any time, anywhere with a few thumb movements You can compare, you can look at the hyper-influences of social ratings. I mean, everything we need to buy anything, anytime is right in front of us. So how do you differentiate in a time of hyper-competition? And the answer is, is that you have to find ways to go above that customer's baseline level of expectation across the personas and throughout those five touch points. So we look at all the things that make that happen, and then we assist them in building out the roadmap to get back to that focus of customer innovation. So is the best way to, because it sounds like you work with larger companies, enterprises, with regards to your book, reading your book or listening to your book, are there tools that you provide through that that would help maybe some of the smaller businesses, folks that are just getting started, but maybe folks that are at the point where they are scaling and realizing that the lack of innovation, the lack of better marketing is starting to inhibit their overall. Yeah, Absolutely. I've tried to write books for the muffler shop up to the multinational corporation, right? And the truth of the matter is there's slight variations between the principles that are necessary to make one of those organizations work. And you can't be a good author with that one without at some point being a lousy author. And early on in my writing, I really was more interested in, in creating content without really thinking about how I weaponize it with takeaways. So In the innovation mandate, what I do is I create takeaways at the end of each chapter that says, hey, here's your shop, and we're going to talk about insights, and here's what you do about it. So I think that the best way for people to use the book is that they'll find that the takeaways there are very practical. They're not targeted to multi-billion dollar corporations. They can apply to the startup and to the entrepreneur as well. Well, Nick, this has been an awesome interview. Thank you so much. I know we've just focused on these few things, but I see just so many signs out there of industries right on the brink of being disrupted. And most in, a lot of these grandfather industries, they know things are changing, but they still have faith that their business model is going to sustain them. And it's the state of denial that a lot of industries are in. So it's going to be a really interesting five to 10 years. But I look at simplicity of your message, but yet how profound it is. It's the idea of understanding the customer and always, always, always improving the ways in which you're providing value to them. And uh, so I love what you're talking about, speaking about, because in the end, I think the customer is always going to win because the customer is the one that chooses to buy and continue to buy. 
and I love the message. And so hopefully the, you as an audience are realizing this as it relates to your specific business or enterprises um, and that you use maybe some of the, the ideas Nick has put together in his fifth book, Nick, correct? I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, and we're grateful for you and for you putting the effort and time that it takes to write a book and to do it on this uh, specific subject. So would you maybe spend the last few minutes just talking about how people can connect with you, follow you, and if they are in the right situation, potentially use your services or the services of your company? Oh, sure. Yeah. So on the speaking side, my website is simply nickweb.com with two Bs. I speak at about 70 events around the world each year. On the consulting side, the uh, website is simply goleaderlogic.com. That's where we provide a range of consulting services across innovation and strategy and customer experience. Well, Nick, it's amazing to have had you on. Thank you so much for your time again. And I would stay in touch for sure. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, thanks. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Lord,